Greetings, I'm Steve Van Core. This is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host. Each episode, we interview a city or county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government right here in the Sunshine State. Today, we have uh, Courtney Barker from Satellite Beach. I don't know what AICP is. That's that's after your name. What is AICP? Uh, that's a urban planning certification. Okay. So the, when when you get your master's, you go take sit down and take a test, and you get that certification. Okay. And by the way, your experience is really impressive. Starting with a degree in anthropology, which <laughs> I think is the best degree to be a city manager. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, all over the place, Florida State grad. We we uh, were having the memorial for Bobby Bowden this mm-hmm. week. Um, did you? When did you go to Florida State? I was there. I graduated in '96, I think. Okay. So, um, so you were there right as he was, you know. Oh, um, I was there in the no last altitude. season. It was it was amazing. Yeah, very 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 cool. I I came to Florida State in '79, so it's like, what's this football thing they have right. going on down here? Um, so so the city of Satellite Beach. I want to I want to talk about the physicality of Satellite Beach, where you are, because. You're on the beach, okay? By the way, you're one of those rare cities in Florida that has beach in the title that's actually on the beach, right? Um, Because we went to this whole thing in the 80s and the 90s, adding beach to everybody's name to increase property values. Uh, And my good friends at Lake Worth added beach to their name, so they have two bodies of water in their name, uh, the Lake Worth Beach. But um, you're having to deal with and have been having to deal with the impacts of climate change. That's right. And unlike South Florida, where everybody can comfortably talk about climate change because, you know, it's a much more left-leaning community, a bit more accepting of the, at least the phraseology, right? I think everybody who sees a beach eroding, sees buildings getting washed away, recognizes something's happening. Mm-hmm. They may not want to attribute it to climate change. And you guys have, but you can't address something if you don't understand it. And, you know, a lot of folks have come, well, we're going to do resiliency planning. We're going to do hardening. Um, You guys took a different route early on dealing with the issues related to rising sea levels. Tell me about that. So our city has actually had a long history of, you know, environmental planning. Um, They actually... By necessity. Yep. And the city council actually hired me. They were... They liked the, my planning background, and that was one of the reasons why I got the position, because the the city has had a very long history of, of environmentalism. We own 40% of our beachfront. They've taken a lot of beachfront off the tax rolls with you know acquisitions over the years, and so they... We have a whole island, actually, under preservation, and other cities surrounding us develop those into high... Um, valued homes, and we actually preserved ours. So, um, You're the Lauder Hill of Brevard, right. yeah. <laughs> so so they've already, they were already embarking on that when I got there. They started a sea level rise study in 2009, and I got there in 2013. They, when they got it, they kind of didn't know what to do after that. And so when I got there, um, we just went into full mode planning, and um, I, cut, I contacted the East Central Florida Regional Planning Council, and we wrote a bunch of grants, um, started doing more in-depth vulnerability analysis. We had the public meetings. That was a challenge. The first public meeting we had, we had a lot of outbursts, you know, um, people yelling at us, telling us we're wasting taxpayer dollars. Um, but 
we held firm and, and said, no, this is something we have to do. Um, and after that meeting, we really haven't had a lot of issues since in all of our You just pulled the Band-Aid. I, I, I'm impressed with that. You, you just can't, you know, one of the lessons I think of in today's world of city government is leadership. You just, just do what's right, mm-hmm. but keep your eye on the prize and move forward and don't let the detractors. You cannot sometimes run by consensus. You have to run by leadership and to say, we've got this information. We have to, right. you know, and by the way, it's, it's odd to me that somebody would oppose planning. Uh, this is what we're seeing, this is what we're witnessing, but we want to plan for it. What does some of that planning look like? Is it changing of the building codes, height, where you build? Oh, yeah. So a lot of the planning is we focused first on infrastructure because that's something we, that's the easy part, really. Um, because that's something you control. You can control, yeah. And and it's something that people are willing to deal with. They, You know, that's something we're supposed to be doing. So when we're saying we're upsizing the stormwater pipes, we're, you know, um, uh, building stormwater ponds, we're, you know, putting valves in to make sure when this, yeah, right. Doing the backup valves and stuff like that. They, they understand that. And that's easy to do. Um, the, probably the hardest part in infrastructure planning was when we were doing the analyses and realized that all of our public buildings were in pretty bad flood zones. And in, the worst was our public works building and our fire station. Those, both of those buildings were slated to be completely renovated, and one of them was being, being slated to be replaced, like torn down and redone. In the same location. Yeah, and we realized that that's not a good idea. So we, we bought a property on a higher ground, and we're relocating those now. So the public works building is being constructed today. Um, it will be done in December, and then two years from now we'll be relocating the fire station. That was a harder sell to the community because they don't see it. You know, in South Florida, it's easier for people to embrace climate change because they see it every day. Right. In our city, they don't see what's under the ground. We know that it's pressuring the pipes under the ground, and we know that our stormwater pipes are sitting in water. We know that the coastline is eroding, and, and those are things that... We know, but that's... You, not, you know that through LIDAR mapping. You know that through yeah. other changes. You know that through technical things. You may not right. see it, but you're right. You drive down parts of Wilton Manors, uh, right. Oakland Park, and there's water in the streets, and it's a beautiful day out. Right. And you're like, what's going on here? Well, the water's coming in from underneath, and if you're not having those immediate problems, but you're checking erosion, you're checking dropping uh, areas, right. uh, it's not self-evident, but you've got to plan for that anyway. Right. Because, and you know, we explained <clears throat> it like... You know, we're public sector, so when we build something, we're not going to touch it for 50 years, and that's just the way it is. Um, but when we, so when we build a new building, if we have to relocate it in 20 years, what kind of fiscal responsibility is that? And, you know, if we know that this area is going to be a massive problem in 20, 30 years, why would we spend millions of dollars putting a second floor and redoing the whole facility when we really should just be building it in a better and, and I think, you know, because cities have limited ability to borrow, right, you have to, you know, I remember back in the day when people would brag, Florida, we balance our budget every year, not like those bastards in Washington. Right. You're like, well, wait a second, you're required under the Constitution to do so. You, you, so the question of fiscal accountability, fiscal responsibility, to me, is not about what your budget is today. Right. But you, you can be more fiscally responsible if you look at your budget over 20 years and you can make 20-year exactly. decisions that, that percolate backwards. But if you're only looking at this year's budget 
you're, you're going to make fiscally irresponsible decisions. And that's a hard message to communicate to your public. Yeah. And it's a hard message for city councils, too. I mean, they have a term and they want to accomplish things in their term. And so it's hard for them to see 20 years from now. And, you know, I explain it to them like, you know, this is your community. This is where we all grew up. And I grew up in Satellite Beach. So um, I know everyone. And, and the council, you know, one of my council members is the teacher of one of my other council members' children in school. So it, it's very much a small community. And I explain to them, you know, you're going to be, people are going to talk about us. And, and we're still going to be here in 20 years. And they're going to say, you know, what did they do? Why did they do? Why didn't they deal with this? And that's so that's our responsibility. And we have to look 20, 30 years down the road. And if we don't, we're basically taking debt service out on the next generation. And that's just not fair to them. So it is being fiscally responsible to do Absolutely. that. You know, it's funny because with the collapse of the building in Surfside, um, that sh- the first time something bad like this happens, it shocks the system. Uh, almost invariably and sadly, there's going to be other buildings that are going to fall right. uh, because shaking sands, because of lax building codes in the 80s, because of just seawater, mm-hmm. rust, pipes, etc. Um, does did that change? Did you get sense any change that all of a sudden this happens? That the things you're doing in your community were like, oh, uh, probably a good idea. Uh, probably a good idea to plan. Is it was that? Well, with climate change, it was really beach erosion that made the council start looking at climate change and sea level rise. And it was actually our planning and zoning board. It was two volunteers. They're PhDs that work for FIT, Florida Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. And they really spurred that movement. Um, But with, like you said, like the Surfside incident, it, it sometimes takes those issues that are right in your face to make you act. And like with Surfside, we already have an ordinance going to PAB to require structural engineering reports. You know, so, right. um, and that was something the council wanted right away once they saw that. So, so, so some of this involves land buying, some of this involves uh, your own infrastructure. What else does this plan involve to protect your, your community in the long term against the impacts of rising sea levels? Well, it also includes, so a lot of it's flood mitigation, right? And But that includes the private sector. And we were built out in the 50s and 60s. So a, a lot of, vast majority of our community doesn't have stormwater retention. And most of the commercial properties Yeah, that was don't. back in the day. You built a property, you didn't worry about where you put your water. Exactly. You just sent it wherever. Asphalt, you know, property line to property line, no trees in sight, you know. And those, that's the type of buildings that exist today. And so now we're looking at, you know, code changes to allow them to redevelop, go a little higher, put their stormwater underground, put their parking on top of it, <laughs> you know, and then put some incentives for them to to do that, which is basically density and mixed use. You know, it's funny. We worked on a project in Cocoa Beach, which was uh, this this owner, a uh, guy owned five hotels there, and they were all built. We bought. They were all built in the seventies or eighties. They were mm-hmm. largely motels kind of things or low low lying two two stories and that model doesn't work anymore and we passed a local ordinance to to allow them to go up on height because you reminded me go up on height um but the height began at the bottom so that you're lifting the hotels out of the sand uh so you so there was a 45 foot height ordinance 
right? Hard cap. We said, let's make it a soft cap because it's 45 feet from the bottom, from the base flood elevation, so that they can accommodate. And of course, we had to do it there. Uh, We did some polling there and found that the the public was not going to accept this if this was a result of climate change. But if it was a result of we want prettier buildings, but we don't want to go high rise. Of course, we ran the campaign. We don't want to be Fort Lauderdale. This will, you know, put a cap. But the... uh, yeah, so doing in those things, saying let's change the building codes and give them the facility because you struck on something. You can't just tell people no. Right. You could say, you could say, how about we do something differently here and right. allow you to make a trade off? Because if I have a hotel, you tell me you can't cap it. Well, I'm not going to go up and I'm not going to do the right thing for for yeah. uh, groundwater intrusion and, and stuff. And residents just, you know, they don't want to see change in their community, especially when they love their community. You know, they don't want to see that change. And when you explain it to them, like we also have lagoon restoration as well, Indian River Lagoon restoration projects. And when I explain to them that if you can't, if we can't get these properties to put stormwater in, then we're going to have to do it. That means we're going to have to buy a property. We're going to have to put the stormwater in. And you, you know, the taxpayer, are right? Do this. And and we don't have room, so that means we're going to have to buy built property, and it's expensive. So let me ask you: when you, when I don't want to change, right? And that was the problem with Cocoa, yeah. um, well, Cocoa Beach. As you know, those are um, was they didn't want it to change. They like sitting on the beachfront, yeah. getting a five ninety five grouper sandwich. Mm-hmm. And part of the visioning can be, I think, and you tell me if this is something you guys are doing. Is yeah, nobody wants to change. We like our city, but it will change for the worse if we don't do X. Does that help? It does because we we basically say it's going to change. There's, you can't, unless we put, you know, roadblocks on 95 and tell people they can't buy second homes and stop having children, we are going to grow. And so either we let the people who are coming in decide or we decide. And that's kind of how we're phrasing that. that. And, you know, so it's, and then our residents are very much environmentally aware and, you know, you can't help but be that when you have a river on one side and an ocean on the other and your whole world's about surfing and boating and kayaking and, and that's pretty much our community. So when we explain that we have to do this for the health of the lagoon, we need to have stormwater retention. We need to have treatment. You know, we need to deal with this for resiliency and hurricanes. I mean, we had three back-to-back hurricanes, you know, just a little while yeah. ago. So they understand that language. And that's really why we're doing it, honestly. I mean, we don't, I grew up there. I don't want to see change either. But, you know, we have to. And when you talk a language that's that's like sustainability, um, arming, uh, you know, being resilient, we need to be resilient, we need to plan. Those seem like positive terms. So you're not fighting uh, against things. This is happening. We've got a plan for it. And there's always going to be outliers. So speaking of that, how do you deal with. It's it's a rising conversation because the keyboard warriors the um, are are seeming to have more maybe because of COVID and their home more. Uh, these keyboard warriors are really being more disruptive than I've ever seen. How are you guys dealing with some of those things? You know, I used to be really pragmatic about responding to rumors and trying to get on social media to quell it. And then I realized it's a losing battle. And sometimes it's better not to say a word. And just I, what, I, what we do is do public engagement, like town hall meetings. I do five every year and for specific areas of the city. I go to HOA meetings. I go to a lot of the clubs and present. And so does my, my council. And that's because face-to-face interaction, you can generally quell those rumors by doing that. 
but it's it's a losing battle. I have to say that those staying in that medium yeah, is a dangerous it world. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I only respond. We have, of course, we have a city Facebook page, and I only respond when people ask a question. Now, I don't very respond. specific yeah. and it's respectful. Well, you know, you touched on something that I'm a big believer in. I'm a, a student of Marshall McLuhan. The medium is the message, and what you're saying is, if I if if if, if the attack comes on Facebook, you can't fight that, right? right. Um, uh, but you can transition to a different medium, which is, hey, join us at our town hall meeting at the XYZ uh, Homeowner Association Club. And the tone and tenor is different because in person, we, we treat each other differently that's than we correct. do on email, than we do in text, than we do on social media. And that's, that's good counsel because and, and we're doing a crisis management seminar at the uh, FLC conference and a media seminar on this subject. And I, that's going to be my advice. Get out of that medium. Mm-hmm. Have the town hall meetings. Have encourage person to person engagement. That's the only way you can be uh, those keyboard warriors. It really is, and they're going to always exist. Exactly, and you know you can do it in your council meetings too. Like, and Facebook is good in other ways because we Facebook live all our council meetings, and you know so it pops up if you're on our Facebook page or like it. Those meetings just pop up, and many people just sit and watch it. It's actually kind of surprising how many people will sit and watch a whole council meeting like that. But we will go. When you consider how many people listen to a podcast about city government. (laughs) (laughs) But I will go through all the rumors sometimes that I'm hearing if they're really bad and I and I can see that they're, you know, um, spreading like wildfire. I will go through and explain the facts around it, and that tends to help a lot as well. So, well, one of our themes this month has been it will be um, a mistake you made because this is a perfect segue to this uh, an error you made that you regret. And you've learned from, and we want to share that with our audience. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I would say that, uh, you know, I have a lot of mistakes that I, oh, that I regret. Yes, so, yeah. um, but one this is going to be an extended ex- edition, folks. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but one, ex- um, one that, we're, since we're on the topic of social media, um, we, we had, in our city, we had a, a cancer cluster concern that came through, and it's still there, but um, it's calmed down quite a bit. But we actually had Aaron Brockovich show up to our, our community. And we... They created a Facebook page, and I was invited into it, and I saw that they were talking about us hiring a lobbyist, and we were actually hiring this lobbyist to to help us deal with PFAS contamination in our community. What's PFAS contamination? PFAS contamination, PFAS is a chemical that was used in AAA firefighting foam um, that's common on Air Force bases, and we have Patrick Space Force Base right next to us, and they have the third, it's the third highest contaminated base in the nation oh. and for that contaminant. And so we were testing for it well before this cancer issue came out, but because we were testing for it, the cancer and that contamination kind of meld, melded together. And whether or not that's connected, nobody can say for sure, but that's what the community sees sure. and, per- and perceives. And you, you hire a lobbyist to help facilitate this and right. make sure you're going to get well represented right. on behalf of, of the, the citizens, yeah, to not get it cleaned adversely up. to the right. citizens. And so they see that they're from a law firm, and and they said, oh, my gosh, they're hiring uh, an attorney to protect them from lawsuits they're going to get. And, and I don't know why we would ever get a lawsuit because we weren't we – don't, we don't use that. It's the, it's the Air Force Base, and it's in the groundwater. Um, but anyway, so I see that on Facebook, and I said – we're hiring them, them to represent us in Washington to make sure that, you know, we get this base cleaned up. And I put LOL. And, and I think I said in the beginning, because I'm also from Satellite Beach, so I know a lot of these people. And, 
And so I was kind of talking really, um, you know, informally, informally, like, like friends, and yeah. like they're my friends. And I said, so you know, oh my gosh, it's okay. You know, we're only hiring them to represent us to get the space cleaned up. LOL. And the lady who made the comment, it took a year for her to trust me again because she took such great offense to that. But, but let's pause for a second because that that's the problem is in that medium – it's become such a medium for distrust, yes. uh, for anger. We don't have the face-to-face, the smile, the body language, the, the interpersonal reaction. And so it escalates or de-escalates, depending on your perspective, very quickly. Uh, and to a point of, like you said, you've known this person and mm-hmm. it, for a year because of a Facebook interaction. Yes. Uh, so tell me, let's rewind the clock, go back in time. What would you do differently? I would differently. So I've realized that in very stressful situations, it doesn't matter if I know people, I'm still the city manager and I can't speak so informally. And I really need to keep it a very professional way of talking. And that's, that's really what it is. When people are very stressed out, um, you know, frustrated, scared, scared, um, fearful, they, they look at you and Differently, And it doesn't matter if I grew up with them, went to school with them, graduated with them, I'm still their city manager. And so if I, if I respond like I'm still their friend in, that, in those times, they take that very offensively. And I've just figured that out over the years. And, and the medium, so in, in, would you then maybe say, hey, this is a really important topic for the city. Right. We're going to have a town hall meeting. Please join us on June 22nd at the town hall, whatever town hall center so we can address this, maybe bring in the lobbyist. So you transition out of that medium right. and address it and so people will feel yeah. better or, or get it off their chest. I and mean, and I, I, because we have such a small community, I freely give out my cell phone and I'll put it on Facebook. Say, hey, look, if you're very concerned, just give me a call on my cell or text me, you know, and I'll be glad to call you at any time. You know, And that's kind of what I do now. I don't get into long conversations on social media anymore. It's, it's, it doesn't work. Well, it the really medium doesn't. is the message yeah. by saying, call me. Right. You, you, you get out of the medium and right. you're, on, you're on a different platform, and they're going to be less likely to be jerky. Yeah. Uh, but there's some people, no matter, no matter the medium, they're going to be jerky, but you've got to deal with them because they, they are the people you represent. Right. And Satellite Beach population, about 10,000? It's about 11,000. 11,000. Um, anything cool about your city we don't know? Well, let's see. We have, um, like I said, you know, lots of environmentally preserved areas for the beach, which is pretty neat for an area like that. You don't usually see concrete everywhere in beaches because, right. you know, they're so valuable. We have a lot of recreation, lots of baseball fields and playgrounds and soccer fields. How and, big is Satellite Beach? Oh, gosh, two square miles, maybe. That's it? Yeah. It's really, wow. Um, and we actually have... What's really cool about Satellite Beach and really why a lot of people live there is because we have elementary school, middle school, and high school all on one block. And so your children never ha- – they can all – every kid in Satellite Beach can walk and bike to school, every, every single one of them. And that is a big deal. That is a big, big deal. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And uh, I, I would be remiss, your husband, Sam, mm-hmm. uh, has the coolest job title – I've ever heard. Tell us a little about what he does because it's it's so neat and it's so Satellite Beach. Right, it is. He's um, a surfboard shaper. He actually um, grew up in Satellite Beach too. We were actually high school sweethearts. So, um, but he's a he shapes surfboards. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But he shapes surfboards and um, he does custom boards. So people come in and order them specifically. Like he doesn't build them to sell them in surf shops. So. 
um, you know, he's he has the coolest job in the world. He calls going surfing R and D. Yeah, that's his so, job. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to research. <laughs> I got to research this, well, this board yeah. shape. You know, that's that's really yeah. That that is the I've never heard that. It sounds like a made up job title, right. but I, I love it, and it sounds like a really cool thing. Uh, Courtney Barker. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been very informative. Good luck uh, dealing with the issues you guys have. Uh, but it sounds like a great place to live, a great place to uh, visit. And I, I've never been. I'm going to make it a point to, to go do so. We'd love to have you. Uh, thank you, folks. This is Steve Van Cor. This is the FCCMA podcast, uh, service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. Thanks for being with us.